0: Sri Ananda Mai Ma, whose picture is on the wall, one of the most beautiful in every dimension, sages of the latter part of Kali Yuga, established many ashrams in northern India. he was once approached by someone who was in doubt about whether he wanted to join the ashram or not. And he said, I don't think I can give up all the pleasures of the worldly life. And she said to him, Ah, you're a true renunciate. You're renouncing the infinite bliss of God for those few crumbs. Wow. I couldn't do it. I more power to you. Words to that effect, no doubt. But the point is that It has always been recognized that the only difference between a sinner and a saint is that the sinner settles for crumbs of pleasure uh, in between which are massive amounts of suffering while the saint is always in bliss. And so therefore, can't we say that the difference is simply a difference in intelligence? One makes a wiser choice. The choice of bliss comes at a price. And the price is, well, two prices, which come to be the same. One is hubris. The other is greed. Hubris is the arrogance of the human intelligence that thinks it gets it, thinks it knows and has to face the fact that it's utterly clueless about what's really going on in reality, that there are levels of meaning and vistas of factors that go into the construction of any reality that are far beyond the capacity of any creature within that reality to understand. And so therefore the arrogant ego says, oh, this isn't right, it's not just, it's not uh, fair, how could God have done this, And etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, and goes on complaining in his or her mind about uh, God's inadequacy as a ruler of the universe. And ultimately the hubris feeds into the greed because isn't it really the complaint that why didn't I get more of the goodies Why did they get it and I got left out? Why did I suffer? Why didn't I have more loving parents? Why didn't I get born into a wealthier family? Why didn't I have this, that, or the other thing? Why was I born in Kali Yuga at all? Why wasn't I born in another Yuga where life was better? Well, you can complain about everything if you want to, but then you're just leaving yourself out of the bliss of surrender to God and preferring the agony of your complaints. This is, by the way, why science doesn't want to recognize the reality of God, which uh, comes in the form of the understanding uh, or the theory, let's put it in their terms, of the intelligent designer, that the only way we can really understand this universe is that it's obviously show signs of intelligence in the ecosystems, in the logic of the creation of soil, and the creation of all of the elements and how they go together in the synergy of beings. And the intelligence that is able to produce just the right conditions that will enable life to thrive. And it seems like the only unintelligent glitch in the whole thing is us. And we're the ones who are complaining about the lack of intelligence. And that complaint is a projection of our own lack of intelligence of sustaining a creation that was put into our hands. And why? Because we have lost touch with that intelligent designer and therefore with the intelligence that that designer did not put in our hands because we couldn't have managed the universe with it. And so the system was you want intelligence, you want power, surrender your ego to God. You stop doing that, you lose your intelligence, you lose your world, buddy. <laughs> Deal with it. Well, okay. The good news is that this intelligent designer is merciful and he will use his intelligence to give us back the world that we are about to lose if we're willing, even at the last moment, to make that surrender to the true intelligence that will enable us to lead our lives in accordance with the power that is the only power that can miraculously, not through scientific means, save our world. But the hubris of the scientistic mind, I use that word, not scientific, is that it will not accept the miraculous. It refuses it. That's superstition. That's foolishness. In its hubris, it will not allow itself to even experiment with entering the realm of the miraculous. Because that realm lies beyond the mind. And the scientist is addicted to the mind. I will solve all problems with my mind. I will conquer the world with my mind. And the mind is the reason we have lost the world. It is not an adequate instrument. The world is conquered only by love. And by a wisdom that transcends the mind. But the ego cannot love, it's too engaged in power. Now Freud traced back the whole problem down to the Oedipus complex. And the complex has three sides because it's about a triangle and he reinforced the very ancient idea that the whole universe is a network of omni-triangularity. But this particular version of triangularity is on the one hand, the child's anger at being left out of the juissance of the parents who are having sex in the next room and the child isn't allowed in. And so the fury of being left out of that. And of having been born simply as an afterthought, or not even a thought, an oops, an accident that resulted from the jouissance and an inconvenience interruption, inconvenient interruption of the ongoing jouissance, to whatever extent it was there between the couple. And so that feeling of being left out from whatever crumbs of enjoyment are going on is agony at the core of the ego. But of course the father has the same thing because he's left out of a kind of love between the mother and the infant, you know, that, uh, that causes his original agony as the infant to get re-stimulated again. And so he ends up hating both the mother and child because he's out there working for them while they're cuckooing each other. <laughs> And, of course, the mother is forced into a situation where she has to be subservient to the father and a slave to the child, who ends up telling her, No, I hate you, Mommy. Will you please go away? I want a better one. And it ends up that nobody in this triangle is happy because of the greed and the hubris and the failure to realize that the only happiness comes from surrendering the mind that wants, that desires, that is insatiable in its need for sensory satisfactions that can never be fulfilled. And yet it is obsessed with that rather than simply realizing the bliss that comes from becoming one with the intelligent designer of the universe who is filled with love and offering it to you constantly, and you're rejecting it. Preferring to wallow in the mind and the emotions, the anger, the fury that you didn't get what you thought you should get, and not accepting what's there for you. And that's karma. And that's why they say karma is an illusion because you're only doing it to yourself. You're not being forced to suffer. You're suffering because you prefer a masochistic illusion to the real of unconditional love. And until the ego mind comes to recognize, usually with horror, that it does not possess anything, you don't possess your youth, your beauty, not even your intelligence, you don't possess your creativity, you don't possess your life, it can all be taken away at a moment's notice, all of it whatever you're most proud of. What is it that cannot be taken away from you? It's only yourself. And the God that we're talking about here is yourself. And yet the one thing that cannot be taken away from you, the ego has managed to take away from itself its own self in searching for an other to bring it love and satisfaction that it'll never get from that other. And it has rejected it from the only source there is, which is one's own self. And one does not realize because one has rejected the self and therefore its intelligence and its love and its beauty and its power, that it's utterly fulfilling. I mean, if you read the mystics in any tradition, especially the Christian mystics like Teresa and John of the Cross and all of the others, they're talking about the utter fullness of bliss. That's going on even while they're in dungeons or suffering from inquisitions or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's totally irrelevant. <clears throat> These people are in ecstasy, and they're floating. And the, you know, people are going into the room where Santa, Teresa is praying, and she's like about five feet above the ground. You know, levitating. Doesn't even notice it. Doesn't even care, and says, "Oops, sorry." And you know, take me down. Stop that. You know. <laughs> uh, She's not even interested in that because she's in so many different uh, levels of heaven that she describes in her writings that what happens at the physical level to the body is totally irrelevant. But it happens to her because she has no interest in whether she gets any crumbs of enjoyment from any other source than God. That's all she needs. And so, of course, God gives her everything. Everything. And that's the only question that we have to decide. Do we want a few crumbs of something that's going to be taken away from us anyway and that leaves only a bitter aftertaste? Or do we want the real bliss that never ends? That comes with intelligence and beauty and power. and enables us to finally have some ability to do something good for the world and not be greedy and selfish, but have such a treasure that we can finally be generous and give it all away. Because there's infinitely more where that came from. You see, greed leads to misery and misery is misery. And misery comes from the same word as measure, and measure is maya. And the whole problem of maya is the ego's wanting to measure. Did I get a bigger slice of the cake or did he get a bigger slice? And it's that measuring that is the source of all of our suffering. And so to be free of Maya is to be free of measuring out whether you got your fair share of the goodies. But instead to realize that the source of all the goodies is there for you entirely, without limit. And it's only from that source that the goodies will continue to flow. If we cut ourselves off from that source, it's the end of life on this planet, folks. No more goodies for anyone. The spigot is being shut off right now. And maybe it's too late to turn it on. But even that won't matter if we have found the source before. Our lives are cut off. But it's all important to be one with that source. While we're here, in this plane of illusion to undo all of the miserliness, the pain and suffering we may have caused to others, so that we can be part of turning the spigots on of joy and love and life itself again to a planet that is terminally ill and on its deathbed. And if its life will be renewed or reborn it will depend on whether we have chosen to deserve that. Whether we have the intelligence to redream this dream and bring the disorder back into divine order the order of ultimate beauty. And in every heart, when you pierce through the level of the ego, we are intelligently designed to have that engram throbbing at the very core of our being, saying, yes, yes, yes to love. Yes to life, yes to goodness, yes to beauty, yes to making this world of infinitely beautiful creation perfect again by eliminating the imperfection of my own ego and gazing upon this world. The eyes of God. It is the power of the divine gaze of love that alone can bring to life what is dead and heal what cannot be healed and miraculously. Enable the laws of nature to be trumped by that supernatural power. That is the love of God. And you are the instruments for the dissemination of that power. may you use that power fully and wisely rather than seeking any other kind of illusory power. That is our graduation exam. May we all pass with flying colors. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website, or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.